Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning into the program again today. It's a pleasure to have your company. I have a special guest in the studio. And it's a lady that I have seen from time to time on television. I even went on YouTube as I was doing a little bit of research for the program and saw plenty of YouTube clips. She is a musician, but she is also a professional person. And I'm delighted to welcome to the studio Malita Fong. Malita, welcome. Thank you, Etienne. <laughs> it's lovely to have you here. And I know you've done a little bit of work previously with 3ABN. You've recorded some music um, for some of our programs. I yes, a couple of songs. A couple of years ago, actually. It's been a while since I've been in the studio here at 3ABN Australia. Okay. Well, look, it's good to have you here. I just want to, as we start, I just want to say that we actually sell a couple of your albums here. I saw them on the way in. That's okay. very good of you. Yeah, no, we didn't We didn't actually set those up just so that you could see them as you I walked in. I didn't think it always... was that, though. <laughs> <laughs> They're always in that prime location as you're coming in the front door. So, uh, yeah, um, so the, the first album's called In His Presence, and then the mm-hmm. second album, which was released... May, May 2017, last year. Okay, last year is Give Me Jesus. Yeah. So that's wonderful. I, I know that you do more than just sing, so perhaps you can tell us just what you currently do. What is your occupation? So I've been a nurse for the last six years, and this will be my seventh year. Um, and doing that, I've been working on a general medical ward um, at the SAN. Mm. A lot of people probably know the SAN. And I'm also covering somebody's role while they're on maternity leave, and they just became pregnant again. So I'm going to keep the role a bit longer wow. as the cognition nurse. Um, so helping people with dementia and those who develop delirium, which is an acute confusion. Mm. Um, when they come into hospital. So supporting the families and the patients and the staff. Oh, so you work that. with the, the, the patients' families as well as required. Yes, yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's quite an involved role. It's not just uh, giving someone an injection and taking their temperature, is it? No, but I'm comfortable doing that as well. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Now, you, uh, just before we started, you were talking a little bit about your background, your education. You have a master's in something. What is that something? Uh, well, it's a master's in specialising in clinical nursing, okay. uh, which I focused on wound management. So you can see it has nothing to do exactly with um, the current specialisation, if you like, that yeah. I'm um, involved with. But I enjoyed doing wounds, and I did that with Avondale College of Higher Education. Right. Okay, so you graduated from Avondale College and through the scene. Yes, yes. Okay, fantastic. Right, now that we know what you're doing now, perhaps we can step back just to your upbringing, your childhood, where you were born and so on. If you can tell us a little bit about that, please. Well, I was actually born at the SAN. And ironically, when they interviewed me for my new grad uh, position a couple of years ago now, they said, so why the SAN? And I said, well, why not the SAN? I grew up 
you know, I was born here, grew up down the road. I went to the school just around the corner. Wow. Went somewhere else for high school. And then I've done all my nursing with you guys because mm. the Avondale and uh, the Sand are connected. So I said, why not? There's just no, um, what do you call it, cemetery around here. <laughs> but there is a church and there is a nursing so home. So you're born here, you're going to live so, here, and maybe use a cemetery around there one day it's somewhere all in the distant there. future. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, they took me. So Well, the apple hasn't fallen too far from the tree. No, then, it you hasn't. stayed in that area. Well, it is a lovely part of the world, and uh, yeah, it's a blessing. Okay, so you were born into a family of how many siblings? So I'm the second and the youngest of two. Um, my sister, Sharissa, um, is the older one, of course, and we're about 22 months apart. Okay. But um, my parents, um, my mum is from Australia. She's from Queensland, and she's got all of the Anglo-Saxon background. And then my dad, he's from Samoa. Okay. Um, and he has a Chinese and a little bit of German in his heritage. So we're quite mixed up. And I often get asked if I'm Italian or Spanish. Uh, my patients are always trying to work out where I'm from. Yeah, it'll be hard to pick that, but it I can see why they would say that, yes. And just the other week we found out we might have some Portuguese in our background as well. Wow. I don't know if someone's making it up, <laughs> but... Um, We'll go well, with that. Look, I, I understand that the broader your genetic pool that you draw from, the healthier you, you tend to be. Is that right? Yeah, that's why you shouldn't marry very close relatives because it's not good for your genetics. There you go. So there you go. The broader your gene pool, the better. So you look very healthy. So I can uh, I can say that <laughs> it seems to work to have all those genetics. So there's Chinese, there's German, there's possibly some uh, Irish. Yes, or, there's definitely know. Irish. Oh, is it really Irish? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow, there you go. So the household you were born into, uh, is it a Christian home or is it a secular household? Well, it's kind of a bit of both. Okay. My dad was brought up in the Adventist church. Mm. Um, his mum was very faithful. His dad was a businessman. Um, this is in Samoa. And he wasn't, an, he wasn't a Christian at all. He okay. was the Chinese um, coming through there. Um, and so when my dad came out to Australia to study and met my mum, my mum was, you know, she was going to church. She was studying her Bible. She had a walk with the Lord. Mm. Um, and between the two of them, um, I think he faked it. Oh, really? Because she didn't realize that he was um, he was drinking alcohol and he was, you know, doing so these that things. that was in the closet, so to speak? That was in the closet. And actually they, they called off their um, engagement, um, like before the wedding, mm. when they were going to get like two weeks away from the wedding, they called it off because she discovered he was still drinking. <laughs> wow. So if you think about it, she's still stuck with him, which I'm glad. I mean, in the long run, I'm glad sure. that she stuck with him um, and they eventually did get married. Um, but in the process of that, my dad in our home with his Adventist upbringing and the good values that his parents mm. um, taught him, irrespective of... Um, his dad being a Christian or not, um, he's always been, you know, pointing us in that direction. Okay. But my mum is the one who's been actually leading us um, throughout our lives to the Lord. Okay. So you've had some very positive influences in your life growing up then? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm glad it's worked out because I've sometimes seen where people have had those strong spiritual influences and they have uh, taken off and done some weird and wonderful things, uh, wonderful in a weird way. <laughs> and it sounds like that influence has been obviously very good in shaping who you are today. 
I think a lot of it has to do with my mum and the way she um, brought us up mm. because her her influence in our life she she's the one who would call us to have devotional time mm. like so she would study our our lessons with us she would read us uncle arthur's bedtime stories okay, if you no haven't worries. got that one you should get it um, and she would take us to church, take us to Wednesday night prayer meeting, take us to all the evangelistic series or mm. you know, speakers coming to the church through the years. She's the one who would do that and lead out in our home. And my dad wouldn't come to church. He wouldn't be part of that necessarily leading out in our home. He would, at, at some point, he did start coming and joining in, um, sitting in the family worship. I mean, right. he's the head of the household. Yes. Um, but he wasn't leading out in that way. Okay, so he was ahead in other aspects, but in the spiritual aspects, your mum took the lead with you, with she the did. two children. Yeah. Okay, wow. So good positive influences, especially from your mum. Was there any other influences that were perhaps more secular or could have tended to draw you away from the Lord? I mean, it could be family or friends or school friends or whatever, anything like that in your life as you were growing up? It's interesting that you ask that, and I know it's a it's a regular and fair question. Mm. Um, but through my life, especially growing up, my family has been my you could say safeguard. It's been my fortress. It's where you you know you come back to. Mm. So even though my dad wasn't you know on the same page with us, yeah, um, there was a very strong family bond, and so mm. I don't know. My, my dad has really installed it probably in us that you stick together. You know, a whole okay. handful of sticks together is harder to break than one twig on its own. Sure. So he kind of built that um, family, if you want to say pride or that family uh, focus mm. um, within us, within my sister and I. And um, I didn't need to go elsewhere. I've never really, it's probably also personality. I'm not very um, outgoing okay. um, in a way, unless I need to be, hmm. um, but I just staying. So you don't live my... there, but you can visit there yes. with the outgoing. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, that's very good. So now is that because of, I know that family values are really important in the islands. Yes. And uh, I've spent many, many years in New Zealand and got to know some really close friends who are of Samoan descent and other islands and so on. Um, for them, families are uttermost and very important. So was that the, fa the family background and tradition coming through from your dad that kept that family unit together and promoted those values and then, of course, also in a, in a sense protected and shielded you guys because I guess there'd be aunts and uncles and cousins and that who you uh, would have spent time with, but because the family is so close, there's no real secrets. Everybody knows about everybody's problems and you share it together. And Well, within our family, hmm. but we don't share it with everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, like a lot of my family on both sides, um, they have, you know, there's there's different members of the family on both sides that have um, not probably got the closest walk or the strongest um, focus on on the Lord. Mm. And what we would do, though, as a family, uh, I'm sure someone out there can relate. For example, when we're going to visit somebody in their home for Sabbath lunch. Mum and dad turn around and then us in the back seat, Sharissa and I, they'll tell us, you know, what to do, what not to do, the family secrets that you shouldn't say. And so we get our coaching. We have our little debrief before we go in. Your parents are very intelligent because I, I, so. <laughs> I didn't always have that coaching. I remember even as a kid growing up that at times I embarrassed my parents quite a bit. 
So you, <laughs> it's you not had a an complete safeguard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So okay. if you can understand from that, mm. we we debrief things in our home, and so we talked about things. And so if we saw somebody um, do something or say something at school, we're coming home and we tell mum and dad, you know, this is what happened, mm. and so then we talk about it, and they'll, you know. We guide ourselves. They'll guide us through um, that that experience and yeah, yeah, yeah. to understand it, but also just uh, fitting in with the ideals that my mom was teaching us spiritually, um, and what my dad was doing. Just coming back to that, because he was doing, he was he 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 was drinking after. Um, you know, while we were growing up, he was drinking. Okay, so the drinking yeah. maybe stopped for two weeks before the wedding, and then afterwards, okay. it was it was hidden. <laughs> I understand? Okay, not to create a fence or anything. He was doing it privately. Yes. Well, um, my mum knew, mm. so he was, and he also started smoking. I don't know if he did that before. I haven't actually asked him that. Okay. Um, but like he'd come home from work, and we'd collect his his lunchbox from him at the door. And then one time I remember I found in there a can and it wasn't soft drink. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes they bring home, you know, sweets or something from work and we'd be it would be for us. Mm. And I said, Dad, what's this? You know, I could actually read it. And he said, Hey, don't do don't touch that. Get away from it. Put it put it in the kitchen. And um, I knew that he knew, we knew that he was doing that. Mm. And also I'd go under the house and there was, you know, the shed kind of place under the house. On the beam up the top, that's where his cigarette boxes were. Oh. And so my sister and I knew that. So one time I went down and I turned all the boxes so it said smoking kills. So they're all lined up. So it was obvious someone had found, found it. Found it, yeah. Um, and we would pray for him in front of him in family worship. Mm. And I think that would, like if I had kids, that would just, you know, break your heart. Absolutely. Your kids yes, are praying for you in yeah. front of you. So he did start coming to church. Um, to keep us in line. I'm not sure that was the entire reason, but apparently we were playing up and he wanted to come keep us in line. Sure. Um, yeah, I know I'm talking a lot about my dad, but then that's it's right, part of the story. Yes, really. it is part of the story. Okay, so you're saying that all the influences pretty much were positive and that's just because you had a mum that was praying and also spending a lot of time with you. Now, as I was listening to you before, I was just thinking, man, the communication in your household sounded like it was pretty good. Lots of families would probably desire to have that level of communication where you can have a debrief or someone's done something you share with your parents and then they'll talk you through it. Um, has communication always been such an important aspect? You're saying you're not a, a big communicator, like as an extrovert, but was communication always a big part of your family? There's certain people in every family who talk more than others. Okay. Sometimes you have to find a place to speak. <laughs> so that's probably where I fit in. But having said that, I can talk as well. My sister, she's the one who talks a lot um, between the two of us. And okay. she preaches. You might have her yes, preaching on when your I was, programs Yes, when I was well. looking at your research a little bit on YouTube, I found a lot of her sermons online and a lot of your music. So you sing and she preaches. That's it. But I also came across one of your presentations uh, at, at some program. It might have been a youth program or something where you yeah. actually did <laughs> preach. I don't know how that happened. But anyway, it was a blessing to somebody out there. Well, yeah, it was a blessing to me. Some so praise the told, Lord. You know, you've listened to the whole thing. There you go. Yeah. So it's not 
necessarily my entire gift, but hmm. my grandpa says singers should sing and preachers should preach. preach. That's true. <laughs> Occasionally Actually, you have some people that can do both because your mm. sister does sing with you as well at she times. She does, yeah. She does the, har- uh, the harmony. Yes. Okay. Sings alto. Alto, Okay. So, look, this is an interesting interview. Occasionally I come across people like you who've just had a very great, wholesome upbringing. Um, I had very good influences in my life, but I also had very bad influences in my life. And uh, I almost had a bob each way, if you know that saying. Um, So when you grew up, was there a particular point in your life when you're saying, I made a decision for the Lord, or was it just a natural progression? So through time and I think you probably can hear it already but my mum's influence has not made it like I have to now meet Jesus mm. she has you present- grew up with Jesus I've grown up with Jesus he's been the constant in my life mm. so you know when my when our dog died I didn't I didn't get upset alone I got upset and I was talking to the Lord about it how old were you when your dog died Oh, how old was I? Maybe 18. Okay. But like all through my life, I've just talked to the Lord about my problems because I'm quite, I can be quite a deep thinker, which is a bad thing at times because Mm. you can overthink things. Sure. Um, And so, or getting angry because that's one of the other problems I have, but we're not here to do problems like that, are we? (laughs) (laughs) I cut a long list. Well, you can confess as much as you want, but yeah. Um, Okay, so you've, you've had you've had challenges in your own life that you've had to yeah. speak to the Lord about to, to you know obtain a victory over them and that. So mm. you are human after all. I'm so human, <laughs> <laughs> without a doubt. Okay. Yeah, but God's been there. Like mm. it hasn't been. I have to now meet Him. It's been a growing process with Him. Wow, you are blessed, and it, it, I, I say that. Um, you know, from a sincere heart, because it's 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 clear to me that a lot of people who've grown up without the Lord now have to go and try and find the Lord. Mm. But your mum introduced the Lord to you from a young age, and He was your friend all the way through. That's right. Mm. So, at at what age did you decide to to be baptized? So, when I was eight, eight. I was listening to um, I don't know if you remember Dwight Nelson's Net ninety eight. Yes, I do. Um, Series that was satellite evangelistic series all through all over the world. Mm. So we had it downlinked to our church, and I wanted to make my decision for Jesus because I understood it, mm. and He's my friend. It just made sense. Um, but instead of going forward for baptism, my mom and I wrote in the back of the uh, Bible that they gave us that time my decision, and I. Because I checked it last night, but and we wrote, when I'm a little bit older, I want to go forward in baptism. And then I wrote my little thing in my handwriting underneath. Um, and then the next year, I went, well, at church we had Pastor Louis Torres. Yes. And he was um, preaching that time. I think some of our friends who had just come into the church through a Try Jesus card, they had just been baptized that day. So then he made an altar call. Mm. And I'm thinking... This is after Net 98 sometime. Yeah, this is, well, the next year. Next year, okay. So I wanted to, like, I'm thinking, I've grown up in the church and here they've just come and now they get to be baptized. I want to be baptized. But it wasn't kind of like, okay, now it's my turn. It was more of God's calling me to make a decision for him. 
and I want to make it. Mm. And I felt, you know, you sit in church, maybe you hear so many appeals, and after a while you're like, it doesn't apply to me anymore. I've already made my decision. But right. I felt impressed to stand that time. And so I did, and my sister stood with me, and uh, we had Bible studies with Pastor Price. And then uh, the next year, we were baptized. So I was 10 when I was baptized. Wow. And, yeah, I think from from that time, like for people who, who grow up in a church environment and a church setting, you can be fooled into thinking that you don't have a progression in your life. Mm. But a little stock take of that is how are you actually growing? There's an African um, saying that I've heard um, where they say, is there, is there any grass growing on your path? So your path to your morning um, devotional spot. Right. If, okay. Are you walking it mm. I, or is it getting overgrown? You know, mm-hmm. is the path getting overgrown? Yes. Um, and I have found over the years... Um, since then, that that path has at times been very overgrown, and my personal walk with God has not been as strong as it ought to be. And then at other times, it's been nice and clear. You know, sometimes you come through and you're really doing a big shovel of those mm. um, those the weeds and the grass away from your path to get to your quiet time with the Lord. Um, but that has been probably where I where I take it to now is that. He has been faithful to me through this time. He has he has shown me his grace and mercy in this time, which sounds like a cliche. Yeah. But if I can say it like this, if you know what's right mm. and you don't do it, you feel really bad. Yes, you do. Yes. It's not good for your self-worth as well. No. Yeah. And you become, you get this guilty feeling, mm. um, which really suppresses a lot of things. And you might feel like you can't come back to the Lord because you've done X, Y, and Z. Yes. Whether you did it literally or you thought about it too much. And what has kept me coming back to the Lord is his word. Because when I hear the devil speaking to me saying, you're too bad. You've done this. You're not, you're not good enough. What, what do you think God wants you to do? Do you want to come back to him now? You're just so bad. But if I remember what God says, and he says that he wants to save to the uttermost, Mm. he's predestined me to be his child forever, not just today or tomorrow. Amen. But he wants to save me forever. And that's not just me. That's everybody. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So I'm glad you've unpacked that a little bit. So even in, in your walk, even if you know the Lord, there's times when your life will get busy where you perhaps don't have those morning devotions, you know, the, the first thing. Um, I find the same when I'm in routine. It's a wonderful experience with the Lord, and you get closer, and you start reading the book, you know, the book, the Bible, and the Bible becomes alive. And as you're reading it, it's almost like there's a network of things. As you're reading, you can sort of see what well, that text goes with that one, and that goes, and this all links together. It becomes like this big network of truth. Mm-hmm. And I find the days that, and in the weeks and the months where I've done that, and I've done that consistently, the Bible takes on a, a living. It's like a living organism. I don't know how to put it, but the Word of God is living and powerful. The Bible says, and uh, you're talking about the importance of having that consistently. And in the times when you know you might have family over, it might be Christmas or New Year or mm-hmm. whatever it is when the family's or doing around. Shift work. Or you're doing shift work here, and you get out of routine. That's when your um, 
walk with the Lord and even their devotional times impacted. So thank you for bringing that out. That's very important. Um, so at those times when you do a little bit of a stock take, I don't think those were the words you used, but I think that's what you meant. Uh, what is it that typically says, look, I think I can do better or this is impacting my relationship with the Lord? How do you, how do you come to understand that and then make the changes? I've never been able to make a change in my life without the Lord. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very goal-orientated person. Mm. So I actually take a stock take every year. Sometimes I take it more than a year. <laughs> okay, so this is like a New Year's resolution kind of an approach or something a little bit different? See, I, I'm not too keen on New Year's resolutions either, but they're a start. I'm keen on everyday resolutions, but okay. not that I have one every day. <laughs> sure. But I've, I've found that they don't really stick with me, so I need to do more than just take a... Um, New Year's resolution and see if that works. Hmm. I need to do more, um, more in the sense of letting God do more. Okay. So what does that mean? So that means, um, for example, I have not been very faithful in my Bible reading. And last year I was doing quite well. Hmm. I started, you know, reading my Bible more and I started uh, reading other books that point to the Bible more and I was growing mm. but then over Christmas New Year's I got busy was away came back um, and just starting everything up again because I was so busy at the end of last year with church and and work and everything to get back into things I dropped the ball mm. yeah I think I saw on Facebook you guys did a missionary trip to the USA Yes, we were part of uh, what you call your best pathway to health okay in Phoenix Arizona and they serviced over 6,000 people for free, delivering over $40 million uh, dollars worth of health care. Wow. And wh over wow, what indeed. period? <laughs> yeah, over what period? Uh, two and a half days. $40 million worth of health care in two and a half days. You must have gone through quite a few people to do that. They did, yeah. Wow. Okay. Maybe we can come back to that a little bit later. But sorry, you were talking about your, um, your goal setting and how you do that with the Lord. and. So... I have a safeguard that I that I use every day or try to, um, and that is the Sabbath school lesson. Okay, so Coming that back is to something. Basics. Yes, wonderful. Um, and often when I don't study the Sabbath school lesson for that day, I'll come back to it in the evening and I'll discover that it was exactly what I needed for that day. And if only I'd studied it at the beginning, I wouldn't have had all the trouble I had through the day. Wow, it would okay. have refocused me. So that's a great incentive to actually do it in the morning rather than the evening. Yes. Because you needed the lesson in the morning. I needed the lesson Isn't in the morning. Isn't it amazing how things sometimes work out? You know, this has been these lessons are planned well in advance, and quite often the thing that you need is on that particular day, on that particular lesson, it might be, I don't know, lesson six, day 26, or whatever it is, and it's done by the date, and then God's instructing you through that. Well, listen, we're just going to take a short break here and we'll come back right after the short message. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference would it make if you made a habit of being grateful? Gratitude actually has measurable health benefits. For example, adults who keep gratitude journals on a regular basis exercise more regularly, they report fewer illness symptoms, feel better about their lives as a whole and are more optimistic about the future. Gratitude is actually a science and it's also ancient wisdom, having way over a hundred mentions in the Bible. And there's a lot to be thankful for. 
Albert Einstein admitted that he needed to remind himself a hundred times a day that his inner and outer life depended on the labours of other people, living and dead. So cultivate gratitude. It makes a difference. Well, dear listener, welcome back to the program. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. And in the studio today, I have a special guest, Marlita Fong. Marlita, we haven't spoke much much about your music yet, but we'll get to that in a second. But before the break, we were talking about the importance of goal setting. And you said you don't really use New Year's resolutions, but you sometimes use it as a stepping stone to set goals and priorities. And then you said you don't only do that at the beginning of the year, you do that all the way through the year. And then you broke it down even to daily goals. And one of those daily goals was to spend time in the Word of God and to study the lesson. So that's obviously very important for you. Um, what else do you do in regards to goal setting? So I I don't know. With, with my Bible study, I don't want to just have a casual encounter with the Lord. I want mm. to actually get into His Word. And I thought, you know, I'm reading a lot of books that are not the Bible, but they point to the Bible and there's nothing wrong with that. Yes. But I got to thinking, I thought this is a lot of, you know, kind of like going around the room, so to speak, talking to everybody else who knows the person who's sitting in the middle of the room. So why don't you go straight to that person and talk with them? You know, so I was thinking if all I had was the Bible, Mm. that would be enough. So if that is enough, Mm. um, then why am I wasting my time reading all this okay. other stuff? Because I, you know, we're all busy, um, and I don't necessarily have lots of time to go and read all of the other books. So why don't I just read the Bible for a start? Mm. So I've actually, um, I don't know. You, you did ask if I had any um, special texts I wanted to share. I've been reading First uh, Samuel. Okay. And I'm up to chapter twelve. The part that I really like is um, chapter 12 and what's happened is the Israelites are asking for a king. Now previously to this, God has been their king Yes. and Samuel is the prophet and he's leading the people. He's speaking to them on God's behalf. He mm. says what God wants him to say. But the people, they see their enemies. They see the, if you like, the problems that are out there and they say, we don't want God so much. We think we need a king like everybody else. Mm. to reign over us. And Samuel, um, God tells him, you know, well, give them what they want then. That's what they want. And sometimes you got to be careful what you pray for because you will get what you're asking for. Yeah, that's right. So that's why you got to really know what you should pray for sometimes or just pray according to his will. Mm. Um, but verse 12 of chapter 12, First Samuel says, And when you saw that Nahash, king of Ammonites, of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. And Samuel goes on to tell them that you have rebelled against God because you wanted a king. You didn't want God. You Mm. rejected having that personal relationship with God and having him as your king. But what I like in the second part of this chapter from verse 20, then Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, Mm. but serve the Lord with all your heart and do not turn aside 
then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. And I really like that because of late I've been feeling like there's a couple things I need to surrender to the Lord, but not just surrender, but actually claim the victory over Mm. in my life. Um, And, you know, in Revelation, God says, to him that overcomes. Yes. So it's not just about to him that says hello to the sin and, you know, entertains the sin and and thinks this is, um, you know, it's not a good thing, but we'll keep it here. Kind of like what we watch on TV. It's easy to be passive about that. Mm. But overcoming, it's kind of like aggressive, an aggressive approach to overcoming sin. Yes. It doesn't just happen in a, you know, a phase of a word. We have to be intentional Mm. about how we how we deal with sin in our lives. And you say, well, maybe we can't deal with sin in our lives because God's the only one who can take it away. But I think we have a part to play in that. It's a walk. Yes. And it's a relationship. And no relationship happens just one person alone. You must have two to yes. have a relationship. And so this is something that I've been praying about. And God showed me that one, that mm. he doesn't want me to just leave, um, you know, get discouraged about your sin and leave God because you think, you're bad and you've done the wrong thing. So now, mm. okay, there's nothing to be salvaged. God's not like that. He wants to build that bridge over again. He wants to reconnect with us. He wants to have that relationship with us. So don't go after something that's empty just because you failed God. God says, I want to rebuild the bridge. For mm. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So he knows. He knows what we need. That's right. And God loved the world in its fallen condition because there's Mm. no one in the world that has not sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So thank you for bringing that out. Even if we make poor decisions, you know, the Lord is still there and we can still come back to him and say, don't forget, don't forsake the Lord. I like you bringing that out. And it's important to claim the victory of Jesus because, I mean, Jesus' victory is really our victory. Absolutely. Funny enough, this morning I was just uh, doing a a little bit of a devotional and it just ties in so beautifully what you said before. And my actually one doesn't come from Samuel, it comes from um, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and it was verse 14 because you're talking there about claiming Jesus' victory. And uh, this text really stood out in my mind because I've been look, contemplating the, the experience of a man found in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 7, where all the good things this man wants to do, he can't find it to do. He, he desires it, but he can't find it. And all the bad things he doesn't want to do, the things that he hates, those are the things that he does. Mm. And I was thinking, well, is that really an experience of a person who has surrendered all to the Lord and can claim the victory of Jesus? Because, I mean, he goes into battle and gets defeated every single day. It's a, it's a miserable existence. That's why he says, a wretched man that I am mm-hmm. who can deliver me from this body of death. And God then, can. Yeah, God <laughs> can. Amen. And then I have Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 where the Apostle Paul says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in mm. Christ. Now what, what uh, translation in the Bible? Have you got a King James or New King James? I think we're New King James. Okay, I will say the same. This is New King James. That always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So Christ's victory, Christ's triumph, we can be led by it, and we can claim those victories. So it's not our own strength because we know in our own strength we can't overcome. And I'm just grateful for you for bringing that out in the Word. The Word of God is such an important aspect in our lives. And I wonder if you can maybe unpack a little bit more about the role that God's Word has played in your life as you were growing up. Well, kind of following on the same train of 
because I mean I've shared with you that I've been brought up in the church. I've I've brought up with knowing that God is my friend. Mm. Some of the constants along with that, and I kind of like that word constants. Um, but I have, if you if you know if like if you're playing a game, there's certain rules in each game, and they don't change. Mm. If they change, then someone's going to call you. You know, you're playing the game wrong or you're playing foul. Sure. So It's called cheating. That's right. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of cheating going on. <laughs> right. Because people don't know the rules, if you like, mm. um, of the game. So for me, I don't question the existence of God because it's too evident to me to question it. Sure. Um, I, I don't. I don't uh, worry about is God the same here in this text as he is in another text, for example. Mm. So I trust that he is the same throughout the book because he yes. says, I change not. That's right. In so Malachi, yeah. I, um, with these kind of principles there, if you take God at his word and you apply it in such that way, you can't be mistaken. And I, um, I use that when I'm unpacking a text or you know reading and trying to understand what what is um, being said in the text and who who God is in his character. Because if we can trust that God is the same today and forever, and he says he is love. Yes, God is love. Then he is nothing else, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. He, so he you, trust, you trust that revelation of God, that God is love, and, right. and everything you see, it's a manifestation of who God is. That's right. So That's if you, profound. If you have the rules, so to speak, hmm. then it has to match up. And you will, that's how I see the Bible. That's how I understand who God is through his word. It matches up for me entirely. If you mm. change the rules, it won't match up. Okay, and so it will look like someone is cheating here. But right, really, okay. you just change the rules. Well, that's, that's how I see it anyway. Okay. So you just mentioned that God is love, which is a principle of who God is. And then you spoke about the rules. So how do you see rules and love working together? Well, if you had to have a person... They have to love you. Hmm. That wouldn't be love. But if you had someone and they just they knew everything about you, everything, hmm. not just what you present to people, but everything that goes on between your ears right. and between behind your eyes, like everything that goes on in you, and they still loved you. Hmm. I think I think that so you're would just about be unconditional love here. It's just that's amazing. That anybody would do that. In fact, I don't think any human being, if they could know everything, you can't possibly, without the love of God in you, mm. do that. To have a love for people is really hard without God's love. Sure. You I know, found. Absolutely, yeah, because we, we, there's, even the people we love, there's some little things that might you know, irritate a little bit or annoy a little bit. And if we can look past those things... It's only by the grace of God that we're able to do that. Absolutely. And also recognize our own uh, failings. Because you're saying, you know, if you can love someone and you know absolutely everything about them, but there's only one person that does, and that's God. And then, of course, we have, you were talking about the rules, you know, the relationship. Uh, And the rules that God sets for us in regards to entering his kingdom are the rules that are based on who he is. Mm. So it's based on love. And Paul says there in Romans chapter 13, verse 10, that love or agape love is the fulfilling of the law. So this is God's government. God's constitution is based on this law of love. So everything that we read in the scriptures is really based on that. And to know God is to love God. 
And to see a revelation of God, we see it clearly, obviously, in the life of Jesus. You know, when Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me, it's the Father saying that. Or if Jesus says, you know, if you're, you're carrying a heavy burden, come unto me, all you that are laden and heavy burdened. Laden. Hmm. Say it again, sorry. Well, it's a different translation, so okay. it's always a different. <laughs> come unto me and I will give you rest. And then he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's mm-hmm. the Father because Jesus said the words that he spoke and presented were the words of the Father. Mm-hmm. So I, I just love you bringing out this concept about God and the character of God and what he's really like. So you never get confused if you read anything in the scriptures. You just say, listen, this is Jesus as a revelation of the Father and it is a God of love. And maybe I, you, you may not even... You know, when you're reading something, understand exactly the aspects of it, but you still know that the foundational principle involved is a revelation of God and his love. And it doesn't mean that I always understand why he did what he did in, in ancient sure. times. Because yeah, we're not God. It yeah. leaves questions. There are questions, you know. Hmm. But if you have that understanding, like you said, of who God is, then it has to match up somewhere. It has to come. You have to be able to understand it somewhere. And if you keep reading, you eventually do find out. Like it makes sense. That's right. And you have epiphany moments as well where you're reading and go, wow, that just makes sense. I could never understand that before, but God has just revealed it through his word and his spirit. That's right. Hmm. Some of the other um, things, I I know I'm kind of talking a lot about sin here and and overcoming, but I think that's part of the Christian walk. And we're not to get discouraged about it. Hmm. A lot of people might think when you come to the Lord, that's it. You don't sin anymore. But that's so not it. I don't know. That's when the real growth starts. That's when the real growth starts. Yeah. and, you know, the psalmist says that the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up. Mm. He can't fall if you didn't get up. And God is there with all of his promises for us to claim for us to get up. Mm. So sometimes, um, and I, if I'm thinking about things, you know, you could be so filled with hate for something, you know, get so annoyed at something. Um, you know, Jesus says, don't do that because that's as bad as, you know, physically doing it Mm. if you're thinking it Um, and if that's the case sometimes I get so worked up and I may not want to I may not feel like I can come back to God I feel like I've really put a big wall there between me and the Lord and the devil loves those walls because he can talk to you Uh, you know he can talk to you from that from that point and really put in just oppressive thoughts like you can't come back to God you're not good enough that was really bad you know look at what you did and you've done it so many times you're like a dog returning to its vomit you know Ooh, quote the yes. Bible to you from Psalms yeah um, and you're like yeah that's right <laughs> but we need to say look at Jesus mm. and I often find myself um, there's, like there's been times where I really didn't find a way in my mind I couldn't see how I should come back to the Lord on this um, particular thing but then his word returned to me, and I remembered he says that he doesn't want to cast us out. He wants everybody to be saved. Now, I think I said that earlier, but mm. the promises of God, when you remember them, when you claim them, there's so much power in them. And there's a lot to be said for memorizing scripture because the devil knows the Bible back to front, and he can misquote it to us. Sure. So we've got to be careful who we listen to. Amen. Yes, we are, we are to test the spirits, the Bible says. And you were just talking about, you know, God uh, and how he wants to save us. That is his work. I mean, he demonstrated his love for us in sending Jesus, his son, to die for us. And, I mean, the Bible tells us, Romans chapter 5, it's an intriguing 
chapter because in there it says that Christ died for the ungodly. Mm -hmm. He died when we were without strength. He Mm -hmm. died for sinners. And then verse 10 of Romans chapter 5 says he died for his enemies. While we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. So it's not our goodness that makes God save us. It is actually our badness. If we were good, God wouldn't need to save us. And if we see God's goodness in it all, Romans Romans chapter 2 verse 4 talks about the long-suffering of God. And it says it is God's goodness that leads us to repentance. And then even the apostle Peter talks about the same thing. He says, consider that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. That's 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 15. So I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm just inspired by you bringing out these elements of God's goodness, even though we are bad. Someone came up to Jesus one day and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. God. So we know that we're not good, and by nature we know, but we can receive the righteousness of Christ. We can receive his goodness. It can be imputed to us, accounted to us. So you're, you're spending time in the word of God, and at what time do you decide that you think you want to go and help sick people? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a nurse, right? I'm a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> I never wanted to be a nurse. Okay, right. So how do you end up in a place you never wanted to be in? Well... Everyone around where I used to live was a nurse because it's near the hospital. Right. Now, I didn't want to be a nurse because everybody's a nurse. You know, I want to be different. Everybody wants to be different. Sure. Um, and so I looked at how much money I could earn. Fair, fair question to ask, I reckon. Um, but mm. so I looked at becoming a lawyer. I was so worked up on how that looked. Um, I thought maybe uh, that was a good idea. I also thought about being a helicopter pilot, but my mum said, they only have one engine? No. (laughs) Um, I got my wisdom teeth removed in year 12. I thought, hang on, I could do this. Let me pull your teeth and pay me for it. That's easy. So you wanted to be a dentist? I wanted to be a dentist. So I didn't get the marks to go into dentistry, but I put nursing at Avondale as one of my, uh, my last um, option when I put my requests in. It was different back then. I think it's a different process now. Mm. So I passed up the business administration uh, degrees and all the other f- uh, interesting things that I put in. I didn't get a bad UAI, but I um, just didn't respond to those requests. And then it was the last offer, nursing. Um, but I had thought about this. I thought I could be nurse and yeah. then, you know, go for dentistry afterwards yeah. and be able to work as a nurse and support myself through that. As it turned out, I did nursing. Within the first week of being in the course, I felt impressed that this is where God wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. And that gave me a lot of relief. Wow. But through that time of doing the nursing course, every year at least once, there was some nurse I had as a preceptor on a placement or something and they would tell me, why are you doing nursing? You shouldn't be a nurse. So I found that very discouraging, and yeah. I did want to quit. So what was it about your uh, your nursing education or training that made them say stuff like that? Well, one nurse thought I should have known the smell of urine when I walk into a house. <laughs> I couldn't tell. And she said, can you smell that? I said, No. <laughs> she was a bit shocked. <laughs> oh, well, I know the smell of it now. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, all too well. And um, another one thought I should have known the complete um, pathophysiology of a certain process. 
and I didn't, and I was in my third year. So she thought that was pretty bad. Um, but just the same, since then, I've had, um, you know, multiple times where I've felt impressed that this is where God wants me to be. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So you didn't want to be there. After a week in the course when you started, you were impressed that God, this is where God wanted to be. And I guess early on in the piece with God being your friend, you would have been talking to God about what you need to do, where you should go, whether it be business, whether it be law, whether it be dentistry. And God has put you in this uh, in this environment where you can actually help other people. Now, subsequent to actually being qualified as a nurse and doing some things, and I know you've done some things uh, not just in Australia but other parts as well, has there been times when you go, this is exactly what I needed to do and this is exactly where God wanted me to be? I think a lot of the time God isn't looking for the exact niche where you fit in, hmm. but he's He's waiting for you to connect with him, that he has a work for you to do where you are. So regardless believe, of where you find yourself. Regardless of where you find yourself. It's okay, kind of like, like that. the parable of the talents, You know what you're given, hmm. how do you use it? Um, so everywhere that you go, God's giving you an opportunity to do something for him. Mm. And you don't necessarily have to do something, you know, like set up a whole program and be this very organized doing of something. It might just be that you smile at somebody who's passing by. You don't know what their life is like, what they're going through. Um, I've had a couple of opportunities. There was, I'll just share a story from nursing. Our ward was locked down from a gastro outbreak, mm. and I was up the end of the ward that was still locked down for that purpose. We had a couple of patients down that end, and one of them, he was talking to me uh, one particular day, and he was supposed to be getting discharged soon, and he was talking to me about how how he's such a bad person. He's got a Christian background, but he doesn't believe God can forgive him. He doesn't believe mm. he's good enough, um, you know, to come back to God and he misses God. Wow. Um, and so I was talking to him about this. And the reason why we started talking is because I was singing some hymns while I was working and he recognized it and he said, oh, what's that one? And I said, what a friend we have in Jesus. Anyway, so the conversation began. I was um, telling him about this particular book I wanted him to have. And I said, if you're here tomorrow, I'll, I'll bring it in for you. Mm. Well, he was supposed to be going home um, before I came back, but he was still there when I came back. So the gastro held him there so that he could stay long enough to receive a Steps to Christ. And if oh. you haven't read it, it's online. You can Google it and read it for yourself. That's a Listen to it on book. audio. Mm. Um, but a fantastic book just to bring it down to earth. Like it's the basics. It's mm. keeping it very real uh, with your walk with the Lord. And so he was able to receive that book. So it's it's times like that, and that's not the only time that I've had an opportunity um, to to speak with a patient or a family member or a staff member. But it's been times like that you you realize God is is got me here for a purpose. He's using me where I am. Um, but it's also times when you see that God is giving you favor in a place. Um, and I wouldn't say that I have favor there, but I've I'm able to. Um, be part of the hospital in a quite a like I walk around and I get to see a lot of people and I enjoy that and there's so many wonderful people there um, but to be able to have a window into somebody else's life and pray for them as well um, mm. in your own private time but if they need prayer as well to lift them up to God together 
And oftentimes I'll say that to my patient or to the family, um, you know, would you like me to pray with you? And they really love that because we both recognizing that we can't take this problem away. And it's not God's doing that it's here. An mm. enemy has done this, just like that story of the, the wheat and the tares. Yes. And he says, I didn't plant the tares, the farmer says, but an enemy has come in and thrown all these bad seeds into my harvest. Mm. We're going to have to wait till it comes to full growth and then we'll separate them. Yes. To remember that God is not the one who does these things. The devil is playing a part here too. We have to give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. And God is not the one causing all of these things. And I, I really don't like it when people blame God for this because it's not who he is. Yes. Um, but we need to remember that there is a great controversy, a great battle between good and evil going on in our world. And it's not just going on around us. It's going on within us. If you ever feel the tor- turmoil in your heart, that is the great controversy right there where you have to make a decision for good or for bad. Mm. Wow. So what I liked about uh, what you were just saying there is there are some people out there who may have known the Lord in the past. They've walked away. They feel that they're not good enough to come back to the Lord. But these are the people that Jesus Christ came to seek. He came to seek and save the lost, not the ones that were found. So he's specifically his his aim, his goal, his mission was to save that particular person. Mm. And, you know, we had to come to the Lord just as we are. We can't change ourselves. Don't try and make yourself better. Don't try by any works to say, listen, maybe I'll go and give $1,000 away or go and do some charitable work or something. Then I'll come to the Lord because I feel a little bit better about myself. Come to the Lord just as you are, and he will give you all that you need. He'll, he'll give you peace. He'll give you repentance because repentance is a gift. We ourselves cannot actually save ourselves. It says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is the author of faith. That's Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 5 says that he is the author of eternal salvation. So every aspect of our salvation has been authored in Christ. And I thank you for bringing that out, that sometimes we can have these mental barriers, and the devil puts those barriers there. He emphasizes them. He accentuates them and say, no, you're not good enough to come to the Lord. The Lord doesn't want you. Well, the Lord wants you. He's the, mm-hmm. You're the person that he's come to seek and save. So let's just take a quick break, share our contact details, and then when we come back, we'll just wrap it up. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456, or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back to By the Word of Their Testimony. And my special guest in the studio is Malita Fong, and she was just sharing her life journey. And Malita, one of the things you said during your testimony was sometimes you find that you're not spending that time with the Lord. So what is it that will make you maybe sit up and take note and say, I'm not as close to the Lord as I used to be. What is it that that does that, and what do you do to fix it? It kind of comes out quite obvious to me if I haven't spent enough time with the Lord. Okay. Um, What are the telltale signs? The telltale signs is I know I haven't done my lesson. Okay. I know I haven't, uh, and that's the the Sabbath school lesson that we do every week. Um, That's that's, a principal approach to your relationship with the Lord. Yeah, it is. But you delight yourself in it as well. I do like it. Okay. Um, so if I if I miss that, and I 
just don't feel like I've got very much spiritual food to eat on for the day, and I love to eat. Um, mm. But also then I guess what helps is my family as well because they are feeding themselves on the word. Okay. So you know you're missing out because they are getting enough and you're not. Um, and you see them having you devotions. You don't want to be like, spiritually. This is not right. I want to be in this as well. So I guess surrounding yourself with people who are going for it as well is helpful mm. to encourage you in your walk. But you can see someone who spent time with the Lord. You know, There's a joy in their life. There's a, a, a peace about them that is not common in the world. And if you're not feeling quite peaceful or you don't quite have the joy of the Lord in your own life, then sometimes you feel, oh, I am really missing out here. I could be spending time with that Lord in the morning and having the same wonderful, beautiful experience. Well, you have given us a lot to think about. I thank you for coming into the studio today, Thank you Marlita, for having me. Yeah. And sharing your testimony with us. Now, we need to invite you back because you've got a lot to share about music. And maybe we can do another program. Maybe we can do a follow-up program if you have time. And you can share about your music and your journey um, and also the words, I guess, that inspires you to write the music that you do. Sure. Okay. Dear listener, thank you for joining us today. We pray that God would bless you until we meet again. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.